Hey, well, it's great to be in front of you guys again. It's been uh, an entire month since I got to speak to y'all. Um, I feel the need to introduce myself. I am Scott McLucas, and I'm the lead pastor here at Orchard Hills. want to welcome you. Uh, we've got folks that have been coming for a few weeks, never um, realized who I was, so now you know. And uh, I want to welcome the folks that are watching online, too. Ray Sprinkle, I, I know... Uh, He's recovering uh, from a heart surgery, and uh, he couldn't be here today, so I know he's watching. And then the Scott Horns say they watch every week, so this is a test. If you are watching, I want you to text me this morning, and then we'll know. And then our friends who are, I mean, we got folks that are watching from Africa, the Dominican Republic, Chile, just to name a few. So welcome every, everyone that's watching from afar. But uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed by not speaking is I get to hear from so many of our gifted speakers in our congregation, Sutton and, and Jimmy and Rick all shared, and, um, and they're great, they're all unique, and I got a lot out of that time. I, I was thinking, um, if I were to categorize them as a type of ice cream, I, I think it would be Neapolitan. You know, everybody know Neapolitan? It's, it's like... Um, you got one-third chocolate, one-third vanilla, one-third strawberry, and the great thing about Neapolitan, if, if you want a little bit of each, you just sort of scrape the, the scoop across there, and you get a nice little variety, but, but if you don't like one of them, you just eat from that one section, you, you know? Like, have you ever been in a household like that, and all the chocolate's gone, and, and there's the strawberry, it's untouched? Well, you can figure out um, which of these guys is which flavor, all right? Now, for me... I think I'm a bit like Rocky Road. Now, now, you get some savory chocolate, but you get a lot of those rocky little nuts in there with an occasional marshmallow. So you kind of like Rocky Road or you don't. And I think that's how it is with me. You kind of like me or you don't. But here's the deal. You're, you're, you're sort of stuck with me for the next few weeks. I'll be speaking for a while up here, so just get comfortable or, or just quit tuning in. So... One of the things that, that I was struck with, um, Jimmy touched on the subject of, of God's will, and he only hit on it briefly, and it really struck me. And so I want to start a short series on God's will. Do you ever wonder what God's will is for your life? I, I've been thinking about that from the earliest of days, trying to figure out what is God's will for my life? And I think all of us probably struggle with that. You're trying to figure that out. Whether you're a follower of, of, of Jesus, a believer in God or not, you're trying to figure out what is my purpose? What is God's will for my life? And we, we have to deal with that. We're, we're asked that question really from the very time we start walking and, and talking. Think about it. It's caged a little differently, but haven't we always been asked this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Don't we ask that? The youngest of kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Isn't that maybe just a different way of asking, what is God's will for my life? And I've wrestled with that, that question. Um, growing up, I was trying to figure it out. I thought at one point I would be a lawyer because I love to argue with people. And I think that's what lawyers do. That was my perception of lawyers. But then I realized they got to read a lot, and I'm not that guy, so I'm not going to be a lawyer. And then, then I thought, well, um, hmm, I like math, like I'm really good at math. Maybe I'll be an engineer, but that didn't work out. 
And then when I was a, a teenager, I was a volunteer firefighter, and, and I really enjoyed that and did that for a number of years, but didn't sense like God was calling me to that career. Also um, worked in a mushroom house. If you know anything about mushrooms, growing mushrooms, packaging mushrooms, but I quickly realized that, that being in manure every day was not my calling, so uh, I, I scratched that one off. After I graduated from college, I worked for a decade in the insurance business and, and loved that, um, really enjoyed that, but then I got a call to go to work for the church, and so I did that. And it made me think, has God's will for me always been to be a pastor? Because that was never something I thought about. That was not even on the docket. I, I, I was not dreaming of that ever. But was that God's will? You know, oftentimes we think about God's will, or at least I do, about what we will do. What we will do. Or, or some may consider what we will achieve, what we will have. What is God's will for me? I've thought about that too. Growing up, I, I, I wondered, what would I achieve? What would become of me? You know, would, would I be wealthy? Would I get married? So if, if I was going to get married... How, how would I know when I found that one woman that God had set apart just for me? Or, or was there just one? Maybe there was a whole slew of them, you know, and I just got the pick from them. I don't know. Like, what is God's will for me in this? And, and how would I find them? How would we know? And then uh, children. Would I have children? And then uh, would seven be the answer? You, you know, like, is that God's will? I, I, who would have guessed that? You know, so I've, I've struggled. And then when Jimmy touched on this and was talking about what is God's will for your life, and I started looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, I started to think that maybe I've been a little short-sighted in trying to consider what God's will is for my life. Because again, too often, I just think in terms of what will I do, and what will I have? What will I do, what will I have? What is God's will for me? And I think God does have a will for us in all of those things, what we will do and what we will have, but I think I've missed the point. I think all these years I've missed the point that God is concerned less with what we do and what we have, and he cares more about who we will become, who we will become. And so I think I've been asking the wrong question. It shouldn't be, what am I going to do? What am I going to have? But who am I meant to become? And so we're going to ponder that this morning. We're going to be looking at that. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. If you're uh, in person and you've got a church Bible, it's page 1171. 1171, so you can turn there and follow along um, as we go. Now, here, here we go, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Three short verses. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you 
in Christ Jesus. There's so much in these, these three short verses that I'm going to spend three weeks on this, and we're going to dive deep into what God's will is for our life. But I think it's imperative that we understand first and foremost that God's will for you, God's will for you is first and foremost that you be in Christ Jesus. Be in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean to be in Christ Jesus? Well, it means to be in relationship with Jesus. That, that you, um, you know Jesus, you're in a relationship with him, that you uh, have come to know him as your Lord and your Savior, that he is, is a close friend to you. Um, it's what Sutton was talking about really last week when he was talking about the gospel, and the gospel means good news. And he was, he was really challenging us to consider, is the good news of Jesus Christ, everything that Jesus has to offer you, have you made that your own? Is his good news your good news? See, if it is your good news and you've invited him into your life, then you are in Christ Jesus. That is the will of God for you. That is the primary will of God for you. So that is critical, because if you're not in Christ Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, him if you haven't embraced him, then what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks probably isn't going to make a lot of sense to you, and it's going to be impossible for you. It's going to be impossible for you to fully realize the will of God for your life unless you are in Christ Jesus, you're in a relationship with him. So I want to be abundantly clear there. Now, assuming you are in that relationship, there are three things specifically in this passage that God wills for you. And he wills for you. His will for you is to be joyful, prayerful, and thankful. To be joyful, to be full of joy, to be full of prayer, and to be full of thanksgiving. That's God's will for you. That's God's will for you. And so today, we're going to look at that, what it means to be joyful, and how we can rejoice always, to rejoice always. Now, if you've been around for a while here, um, this is not a new message. Actually, a few years ago, Mike Massey came, and he spoke on this, and he did a great job. And um, he talked about how um, joy is a choice. You get to choose joy or not. And then somebody else spoke on it too, and it clearly wasn't that memorable because I, I, I think it was Sutton probably. You know, like I don't remember exactly who else spoke on it, but I know Mike did a great job. And so um, that's the point here that we're going to focus on, that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice, okay? Now, um, you can, joy, you can choose to be joyful, or you can choose to be joyless. And it really boils down to it's all a matter of perspective, I think. See, you can choose to look at your life through the eyes of Jesus, or you can choose to look at your life through the eyes of someone else, through a different perspective. Maybe um, you look at your life through the eyes of an atheist or a narcissist, or a pessimist, or a romanticist, or, or any other cyst you choose. You know, you can look at your life, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to form how you view your life, isn't it? 
It's all about perspective. And so this morning, what we want to focus on is what should we be looking through? The lens of Jesus. What does our life look like through the eyes of Jesus, his perspective? So that's what we want to gain. So um, we're going to be looking at, at kind of what Jesus said, because if we're going to understand what he sees, what he wills for us, his perspective. I think we should just go right to the source, right? Let's just go to Jesus and find out. So we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 11 and 12. This is what Jesus said. Now listen to this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now that sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? I mean, who do you know who rejoices when people insult them? Who do you know who rejoices when people persecute them? Who do you know who rejoices when others are making up evil lies about them? Do you, do you know people like that? Like, who does that? Well, people like you and me who are in Christ Jesus, who may experience insults, persecution, and lies, all because others recognize that we're with Jesus that we're followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, if people are persecuting you and insulting you and creating evil lies about you because of me, because they recognize, oh, he's, he's with me, or she's with, with me, then rejoice. Rejoice. Because it is an honor for somebody to look at us and say, I can tell you're with Jesus. You're a Jesus follower, aren't you? And, and it's an honor for us to be insulted because of Jesus, because they put us with him. It's an honor for us to be persecuted, to suffer because of our relationship with Jesus, like it's happening all around the world. It, it, it's an honor, really, for us to be lied about because they see our connection to Jesus. It's a different perspective, isn't it? See, you have to, to look through the eyes of Jesus to have that kind of perspective. And you can rejoice when those things are happening to you because you're honored to be seen as a follower of Jesus. People connect you with him. Doesn't make a lot of sense to the world. But if you're in Christ Jesus, you get it. So that's one thing he said. Then uh, Luke recorded something else. This is in Luke 10, beginning in verse 19. Jesus said this, and he he had his disciples together. He said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus had sent out um, like 70, 72, some debate over that, of his disciples out. And he sent them out, and he said, I'm going to send you with, with nothing but my power. 
Like, don't rely on, on money and stuff. Just, just go in my power. And, and they came back, and they were pumped. They're like, Jesus, you won't believe this. Uh, we were able to do miraculous things. Even, even demons bowed to us. We even saw Satan falling from heaven. Like, that's the kind of power. And they were so excited for all the things that they had been able to do. And Jesus like, whoa, whoa, like, don't, don't rejoice about that. I, I know it's really cool, isn't it, to, to stomp on poisonous snakes and scorpions and not be harmed. It, it's amazing to be able to, to, to stand against the powers of evil and cast out demons. That's really cool, isn't it? But, but it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare to knowing that your name is written in heaven that God has written your name down and that you are a child of his. You have been adopted into his family and that you are forever secure. You are going to spend eternity with me. This is Jesus speaking. You're going to spend eternity with me in heaven, this place of paradise. And so as great as those miraculous things were, as awesome as that felt, it pales in comparison to what is waiting for you ahead. Your best day on earth pales in comparison to an ordinary day in heaven. Better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. That's what Jesus was saying. You're going to rejoice? Rejoice in that, that you are in Christ Jesus. That's what you should be rejoicing about. And, and then Luke records this because Jesus was just full of joy. In verse 21, it said, at that time, Jesus, full of joy, full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. So he's saying like average ordinary people like us have been revealed this great mystery, not, not the super rich and the, the wise out there. And he, he's praising uh, the Father for this. And he says, yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. In other words, this was God's will. This was God's will. And so the same Holy Spirit that, that filled Jesus to overflowing with joy is the same Holy Spirit that fills us too. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you receive his spirit and you receive his joy. And so you have a choice now. You can choose to be joyful or joyless. To be joyful or joyless. The same spirit that made Jesus joyful is the same spirit that lives in you when you are a follower of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's how we can be joyful. Now, the Apostle Paul, if you don't know about him, read up on him. Um, he and, and the early followers of Jesus, they got this. They knew what it was to be persecuted and to be insulted. People were being put to death all around them. Paul used to be one of those guys putting people to death and persecuting them. And they knew the joy of following Jesus. And, and this is what they said. They had a whole different perspective now on suffering and, and all types of things. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, listen to the perspective they have. It said, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, so that's faith in Jesus, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. That's that sacrificial death on the cross for our sake. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. That's grace. Where, you now, where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully, joyfully look forward 
to sharing God's glory. That, that's heaven to come for us. That's the life after this life. And then it goes on. It says, we can rejoice. See the joy there again? We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And different translations, instead of endurance, say, some say perseverance. They help us to develop perseverance. It goes on, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. It's a sure and certain hope that they've gained, and we can gain too. It says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us, who? The Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The same Holy Spirit will fill our hearts with love. We can choose to be joyful. And it's because of this relationship and this new perspective that Paul and the early followers of Jesus and, and, and us as well, we, we can view suffering differently because we have a different perspective. We see it through the eyes of Jesus, right? And we see that um, if we're looking to Jesus, that our suffering, our, our trials, our tribulations, they're not in vain. They're not purposeless. They're actually purposeful. And so that suffering, that, that refining that often happens through trials and tribulations, it helps to develop our character. In other words, it helps us to become more and more like Jesus. And it helps us as we learn to persevere and we, we develop that character, that hope, that hope in, in life to come of heaven afterwards, of life with Jesus forever and ever, it becomes more sure more certain. You are more and more confident. And when you have that kind of confidence in the life after this life, you can be joyful regardless of your circumstances. You can rejoice always. Rejoice always because your joy is not contingent upon your circumstances. And so you can have the lowest of low days and be joyful. And you can have the highest of high days and be joyful, and all of those pale in comparison to life with Jesus to come. That's the perspective that we should have. That's how we can be joyful and rejoice always. Now, um, Jesus had a half-brother named James, and, and he said something about this too, and I love what James said in James 1, verses 2 through 4. He said it, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wouldn't you like to be mature and complete and not lacking anything? I mean, he's not talking about stuff, is he? He's saying not lacking anything, not lacking any peace not lacking any love, any sense of contentment, any joy. Like, that's what can be true of you when you're in Christ Jesus. And that's God's will for you. He, he wants to be in relationship with you and you in relationship with him, and he wants you to be joyful. Isn't that amazing? And we get so caught up in, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to have? And he's saying, no, it's all about what I want you to become. I want you to be full of joy. 
And you can be full of joy regardless of your circumstances. They don't dictate your joy. You do. Because you have a new perspective. Because you're in me. And now I'm in you. Isn't that amazing? And so as we look at this, you know, again, I'm, I'm convicted that God's will for us has, has less to do with what we do and what we have and more to do with who we will become. Who we will become. You know, I had an opportunity this week to, to witness this very thing of folks having a choice to be joyful or joyless. Um, a lot of you guys who have been around knew Keith Moore, and you've known that he's been battling cancer, and on Thursday he died. And uh, I got a call early, early in, in the morning. I, I even have that do not disturb thing on, and the phone rang. And I was like, wow, I didn't know it could do that. And so I woke up, and uh, I was like, hello. And, and it was Bill Todd on the line, and, and that's Keith's father-in-law. And he said, Scott, uh, Keith passed just a little bit ago. And we're all here. Amy's here, his wife, and Todd's here, and, and uh, Heather, who is, who is Amy's sister, and, and Peyton and Leanna. We're all, we're all here, even the dog's here. And he's like, hey, would you mind just saying a prayer for us, because Keith was still there, too, in bodily form, and I was like, sure, and so in my slumber, I'm doing the best I can, <laughs> like praying for him, and then they said, look, if you'd like to come over, we'd love to have you, and I was like, all right, so uh, I get up and get showered, and, and I'm like, I can't go there empty-handed, so I waited till six so I could get Donnie D's bagels, like if you're going to go anywhere, you should probably bring Donnie D's bagels, so, uh, so I do that, and I come to the house, and, and they greet me at the door, and they're like, hey, come on upstairs, everybody's upstairs, and so I go up there, and, and Keith's still in the bed, and Leanna's all cuddled up next to him, and so is that dog, and uh, everybody else is sitting around the room, and for the next hour, we just laugh and tell stories about Keith, and how much he meant to all of us and just reminisced and there was real joy in that place but that was a choice they could have chosen to be joyful or joyless because i can't think of a more dire situation or circumstance that any of us find ourselves in than when we lose a loved one but you know why they were joyful is because for them, and, and especially for Keith, they knew that he was in Christ Jesus. That Keith, there was no question, he had a solid relationship with Jesus. And so they weren't fearful of what had become of him. They were actually celebrating because they knew as, as great as his best day was here on earth, he was experiencing a better day right then and there in heaven. And there was pain because of the loss but they chose joy. And so can you. So can you. We can be joyful despite our circumstances. And so I want you to reflect for a moment. Would you say that you are a joyful person? Would, would others that, that know you say, yeah, I would characterize him or her as being joyful? 
because that's God's will for you. First, he wants you to be in relationship with him, and then he wants you to be full of joy so that you can rejoice always, regardless of the circumstances and the situation you find yourself in. If you're not joyful, why not? Why not? Why not? Why aren't you joyful? Maybe, like Sutton said last week, you haven't experienced that joy of salvation. You haven't made the good news of Jesus your own, and that's where it begins. And so maybe today is the day that that, that begins, and it's simple. You just say, Jesus, please come into my life. And the beautiful thing is when he comes, he brings his spirit, and his spirit never leaves. You will be full of his love, and you have the choice to be full of his joy, too. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have folks up here that would love to pray with you um, more. And um, I encourage you to come forward if you choose, or to just um, take some time to to talk to God in, in your own personal way, or to reflect on what you've heard. So let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for revealing your will to us in, in three short verses. Thank you, Jesus, that the reason you came, you lived, you died, and you rose again was so that we might be in you, that we might be found in Christ Jesus, that we might have a relationship with you now and forever. And I pray, I pray for every man, woman, and child who are here or listening to this or will watch this online that today might be the day where we would surrender our lives and we'd say, Jesus, please come in. I, I want to experience your joy. I want to be joyful. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Give me the eyes of Jesus to look at my life through that, that lens. May I have that kind of perspective. And we thank you, Jesus. You say, come. Let the little children come. And we're all like little children. We're, we're all just new or, or lacking in faith. Let us come. Lord, whoever is here that needs to hear this message, just let them come. Let them come. Remove any hindrance. Remove any barrier. Let them come. Take away the doubt. Take away the doubt, the fear. Let them come. Let them come. Let them come. Pray it all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.